0: I think, I think it, it's a scary thing. And I've always been afraid of randomly emailing someone or asking for help. I always felt like it's me versus the world. So let me do all I can do uh, myself. Um, I'm not going to ask for help. I think the simplest thing you can do is just ask. People could always say no. There's no harm in asking
1: for advice. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get that podcast. I'm your host, Zeke, And in this episode, I have a fellow alumni named Karan to speak about her journey and Coping America. You can listen to this podcast on all major platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, by clicking the link in the description below or going to allmylinks.com forward slash let's get a part. Please rate it five stars. I'd like to give a content one you for any strong language in this episode and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So I'd like to welcome you and thank you for competing guests on the podcast. I'm
0: proud. Thanks for inviting me. I'm shocked. No <laughs>
1: And like the first question I always ask is, what would your origin story be?
0: All right. Um, So I graduated undergrad in 2006. Uh, I thought I wanted to be an actuary. Uh, I thought it sounded cool. I felt like, oh, there aren't that many people who are actuaries out there. I'm really interested in risk. I really like statistics. And to be an actuary, you have to go take these actuarial exams are these really tough math exams that very few people pass and so i graduate i I tell my i tell my grandmother at the time oh yeah i'm gonna be an actuary she's like no you gotta go get a damn job (laughs) you gotta get a job and i graduated with this degree in, in finance and investments from baruch and um i just go apply for all of these jobs and i get a job as a financial analyst at new york presbyterian hospital and I hated it. It was quite cyclical. I had difficulty being in an office. I had difficulty sitting in a chair for hours on end. Um, I started in the summertime. I just wanted to go outside and chill and go play basketball and all of these (laughs) other things. And I left there after about six months. Uh, I, I felt like it wasn't the right fit. And then I got a job at an insurance analytics company where I got to work on a product team. I thought it was super interesting. Um, I I had the opportunity to learn more about insurance and about risk, something I was really interested in. I had the opportunity to learn about uh, products, how they're built, um, how they're maintained, um, and a little bit about product marketing. Um, And it gave me an opportunity um, to think about where do I really want to go in my career? What do I need to learn to get to to get there? Um, And things of that nature. It it was a, a great, I call it my first job out of college. It was a great first job. And I was there from 2007 to the beginning of 2011. So I was there throughout the recession. I made pennies. I got promoted every year. Um, and I got like this $2,500 raise, which I thought this was fantastic. And, but we're reading in a paper of these people on Wall Street who are getting bonuses that are like $100,000. I'm just happy to work. And so while I was working at this insurance analytics company, I decided to get a master's degree in risk management, um, something I was really passionate about. Um, it was really great. It helped me really understand what was happening in the market at the time. Um, anything that Barack Obama signed or put in a law was in my classroom literally the same day the next day. Um, and it was there that I realized I really liked strategy. I really liked coming up with a visioning like a grand vision and coming up with a plan for us to all rally around to build some, to build new products, um, to go through hyper growth in terms of revenue to acquire companies uh, and things of that nature. And I said, Oh, I want to be a strategist. Those are the people who make the decisions. I always had this idea that a CEO's job was to spend 90% of his or her time coming up with great ideas and then telling people, Oh, make these ideas happen. And so I, I, I got my next job was um, I got a job at a, a, a fintech company. And I was on this product team and I had the opportunity to truly learn what strategy was. Um, it wasn't just coming up with an idea and telling a bunch of people to do it and then making it happen. Uh, um, it was more analytical than that. And I realized that strategy or those ideas, that's probably 20% of the effort to making it a reality or to building a business or growing a business. 80% are people-related things, like making sure that the team truly understands what the vision is, what the plan is. Um, Making sure that they feel part of that change and they know what their role is there. Um, providing a certain level of transparency, uh, developing others, um, organizing teams or people in a way that makes sense to achieve said vision and said str- strategic plan. And I was like, okay, wow, I just spent all of my time trying to learn how to build a financial model or make a presentation deck, uh, these really sort of hard skills. And I didn't spend enough time on soft skills like. How to present in front of a group, uh, how to develop others, um, how to communicate really difficult things or really bad news or even good news. Um, So I learned that while I was there through a combination of working at that place and joining a nonprofit board. I joined a nonprofit board going in with this silly concept that I come up with ideas and people go make them happen. (laughs) Again, not true. I got on a board. I want to say four four or six months into it, they made me the board chair. Realized I'm 26 years old managing <laughs> or directing uh, people who are a lot older than me. Uh, people who have a lot more experience, life experience, not just work experience. And so between being a between being a board chair and working at a finance at this fintech company, I learned what it truly meant to um, make change um, on a small level from on a board and on a larger level to being at a corporation. And I decided okay, I need to make sure I put myself in every stressful change situation out there. So the next company I worked at, I said, oh I want to you know do merge I just want to do mergers and acquisitions because that's a stressful time most mergers and most mergers and acquisitions they fail so I get a job at this place um, and uh, with this whole idea that uh, pretty much 100% of my job is strategy, building some of those strategy decks and those models to prove that or to support that we should buy this company or we should partner with this company or we should go into this geographic market and things of that nature. I wanna say 95% of what we presented to any senior leader with SmackDown. Oh no, we don't have money for that. Oh, this is great. But I got to truly use strategy frameworks um, in a realistic sense. Um, I got to, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe uh, strategic plans and all of those models that you learn in school about SWOT analysis or Nine Box Matrix or <laughs> um, Porter's Five Forces, etc. And I felt like, oh man, we're not really accomplishing anything um but i think this is valuable um this is valuable experience and so i was ready to leave that place and something happened uh, they laid off my team the team i was on they gave us maybe four or five months to find a job so i would still show up every day and someone who was who became a mentor of mine His name is alok He said to me, he's like, Karan, you know, you've worked in marketing, you've worked in product, uh, you've worked in strategy. Um, Perhaps you should consider becoming a chief of staff to someone. Uh, It would be like, you know, getting an executive MBA, but getting paid to do it. Like, you'll have a better understanding of what leaders think about, what what keeps them up at night. And I remember the first thing I said to him is that, that sounds easy, it sounds boring. I'm not going to do that. I just did all of this hard work. (laughs) Um, and I'm not going to go be anyone's right-hand chief of staff. And I thought about it. I said, you know, you know, sometimes someone who's older than you or wiser than you, they give you a piece of advice, uh, maybe I should look into it. And so I decided, okay, if I'm going to be a chief of staff, I'm going to be a chief of staff at a smaller company, at a smaller mid-sized company. And so I went out there, I found a role at this marketing analytics startup. It was a late stage startup. And I became in charge of strategic initiatives and the right hand to this woman who was in charge of the sales and customer success team. And um, I learned so much from that experience um, about how to lead, about how to actually um, transform teams and transform organizations. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. I was like, oh, I could do this. And then, you know, you're chief of staff for you're typically supposed to be a chief of staff for maybe 18 months. And then he put you into this big role as a GM or <laughs> something, you know, at the end of the 18 months. That didn't happen for me. Uh we got acquired one year later. Uh, um, and then after we got acquired, I was uh picked to integrate a bunch of acquisitions that this company had uh acquired over the last I'd say three or four years. And I worked on this uh, reorg for a year and that was interesting, uh, but not fun. If you could imagine. Um, And then uh, we got acquired again by a private equity company. And then I got laid off and I was like, okay, all right. I got laid off. Okay. It's cool. Got to figure out, I'm still trying to be this, this strategist, you know, leader, whatever. And so, my second layoff, and this one was actually an actual layoff, meaning I got laid off and I was unemployed for a while. I have bought a house, six months later, I got laid off. <laughs> then I'm on a job search for a year because I refused to just take anything. And I was like, well, I have this idea of what I'm trying to accomplish in life career wise. Um, and I don't want to waste other people's time and I don't want to waste my time. And so let me go find something I'm really, really passionate about. And while I had that year off, and this is for a person that has always worked, I've always had, for the most part, two jobs. Maybe I work a full-time job and then I'm on a board afterward. I may, or maybe I work a full-time job and I'm teaching undergrad or grad, grad students, right? Um, and so this is like a break. And I didn't really know what to do with my time. I started riding a bike, my bicycle outside every day. I was like, oh, this is all right, I guess. Um, I just started volunteering my time for free. <laughs> so if nonprofits needed a consultant to help them with something, I'd be like, oh, yeah, me. I can do that. I'll do it for free. No big deal. Um, I started, um, yeah, did that. I also, I found this uh, cachaça company. That I worked for where I was kind of sort of like a fractional COO. It was a team of seven people and I'm a I'm a rum drinker and cachaça uh, oversimplify is a Brazilian style rum. And I was like, this is cool. I've never worked for any company that actually made a physical product. I made pennies. um, It was not great, (laughs) but it was fun. I learned a lot. And then I got what people would consider a, a real full-time job at, at a very large company that everyone knows. Um, and I took a job there and it was tough. It wasn't fun. It was stressful. It was everything that I hate about corporations. Um, not everything, but a lot of what I hate about corporations. Um, sort of this top-down mentality, uh, things like that. And um, I worked there for about six months before I found my next job. And I found the next job because I saw it online and I knew three people who worked there. I knew a board member. I knew a strategic advisor to the CEO. I knew the COO (laughs) and these are three people I had worked with at two companies prior. And, uh, you know, I, I applied online I emailed them. I was like, I saw this and they were like, okay, Oh my God, I'm so excited to work with you. This is a corporate turnaround. This is going to be great. I was like, Oh yeah. Another risky thing for me to do. in terms of change and transformation and i joined this company in a um and i had a and so i was head of corporate strategy and i was the right hand to the president then the right hand to the ceo and i used all of those skills that i had learned over all the years over the years prior um, to work on some really interesting initiatives uh, to help turn around a company that still hasn't been turned around but that's okay there have been some some successes i believe and i think there were some things that i personally as an individual were quite successful at. um and i got to work with people that i had worked with at a couple of other companies in a different capacity and and also build my network and then january came and i got laid off and i knew i was gonna get i knew it was gonna happen we had three ceos uh that year and i worked for two out of three um and I knew it was going to happen and I was fine with it because as you know, I've already been laid off twice since age 30 and I'm 35. So this layoff thing is like kind of normal. So it's really always having the focus of always having a resume fresh, which I've always had a resume fresh and being prepared to, for whatever comes next. So always having that North star, well, what do you want to do Quran, you know, in 10 years or 15 years and, what is the next step or one of the next steps you could take to get to that. And so when I think about my origin story, I think a lot of people use this analogy of, um, climbing the ladder. (laughs) That doesn't exist. I, am sure it exists for some people, but it does not exist for me. (laughs) Someone described it as a jungle gym, you know, when you're in a jungle gym, like you're hanging, you're like, you know, you're climbing and you're falling. And in these, that is my career. Everything has been a pivot. I have never lost sight of the end goal, um, but there have been a lot of challenging things that have happened along the way. Uh, when I think about uh, what advice I would give people, is one, don't think of it as a ladder. Don't think of it as this linear thing. And when you, are, when you fall, right? When, you, when you're in this jungle gym, you're hanging, you fall down, you gotta get back up. <laughs> it's like a Ma- American Ninja Warrior when you fall like the most important thing is to get back up and sometimes it's really hard sometimes you think oh man this is over my career is over i'm gonna fail i'm never gonna achieve this goal and everyone thinks i'm stupid <laughs> or i'm too good for this you go through all of these emotions right that many people go through but if you <laughs> if you're at the cross if you're at the cross section of opportunity experience and performance you will achieve great things you may not achieve what you anticipated but you will achieve great things so that that is the origin story in so many words there are a whole bunch of other things that happen we can get into it but uh questions clarifications around this. oh that was a lot yeah Imagine me on an interview when they say, "Hey, come on, tell us about your background." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I worked at these nine companies. I got laid off three times, but it's okay." Oh yeah, on the side, I taught at this school. or On the side, I did this and blah blah blah. It's 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 insane. It's like the first ten minutes, and then they're like, "Okay, you have any questions for me?" So <laughs> we'll go through. That.
1: <laughs> and before we get more into like the details, would you represent that in like a book or like a movie or like a?
0: series. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should do a a book or a movie about this, or maybe a show because you know there's so much drama. It'd be like a Shonda Rhimes um, TV show. You know, I- I'm gonna write that down. Figure out who's gonna play me. Who's gonna play the 20 managers I've had in my life? <laughs> who's gonna play my mama? My mama's gonna be played by Vivica Fox. I
1: know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, had, and you gotta be you had to make a you had to um, get a nice director and like write it to dramatize it and then
0: it's already drama. Actually, when I think about it, if you ever saw precious, right, and you know how she she daydreams a lot and in the film, there are moments where she's daydreaming about these great things. I think it would be like that. Like stuff is like, I wasn't beat down. My, you know, Monique was cutting me out. But if stuff is happening. There are crazy things. And you're just like, wow, I can't believe it. Oh, and didn't she survive this? And blah blah blah. But in the midst of it, are these like flashbacks of just total daydreaming? Because I do daydream in the midst of all of this. And so that would make it a real, you know, it would make it a drama per se. It would make it like, like a a dramedy. So,
1: I'm going for drumming status. Mm-hmm. But, and, oh, in the beginning, you talked about how you said to your grandmother, I want to be an actuary, and she, like, get a job. I'm just like, when you try to to somebody from a different generation, they, like, they understand what's going, like, what's the new, like, the new field. They're like, I don't understand that. And then they say, do what's normal, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, I don't understand the question. So no, you I don't say, think it was a
1: question. I think was, I think was just talking. And it was reacting to how your grandma was like, get a job when you said, I want to be an actuary.
0: Yeah, I think this is... Um, <clears throat> I understand where she was coming from. My family's thing is, and I'm sure this is a lot of people's families, but for some reason, I feel like... <laughs> It might be a lot of, you know, people of color families. You go to college to get a job. After you finish college, go get a job. I did not raise you to be a professional student. I did not raise you to sit up in my house and use all of my utilities and eat up all of my food. And so therefore, Quran, get a job. And in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, like... I'm trying to accomplish this great thing. Grandma, you don't understand this thing I'm trying to accomplish. I don't care, Quran. Get a job. And so it was, it was just like, I just, I, I remember just going on Indeed.com, applying to everything that said one year of experience or something like that. And I had a finance degree. So anything that said finance degree, boom, 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 like, apply, 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 apply and every time i would go on in an interview and they would say well and i i would get the first round i get the second round i get the last round and they they would get to this question i kept messing up my answer i kept telling the truth that's the problem what are you passionate about what do you what do you want to see yourself long term what do you want to do and i was like oh i want to be an actuary now realize i'm not applying for a job as an actuary i'm applying for a job as a blank analyst Just Put in a word, <laughs> And the first time I answered that question differently, I got the job. It, it, is, it is one of those things, I think especially early in your career, like the first job or the second job, when they ask you, you know, what do you aspire to be? To some degree, it's best to say, I'm not sure, but these things I'm interested in. Or if the job is related to what you want to do, say, oh, like if it's a marketing job, oh, I want to be a CMO one day, you know, 15 years from now. And so then they can see the path. And they're like, cool, I'm not wasting my time with this person. And it is, it's funny because honestly, most people, most, not everyone, but most people, especially at the age, they don't know what they want to do. And there are lots of experiences that they'll have over time, which, may change that we only have so much information I, like I would say I didn't know what a corporate strategist or man, management consulting or management consultant did when I was in college I thought that they just made decks and I was like PowerPoint what I don't make PowerPoints <laughs> or like I, you don't know I don't know I didn't know what a CFO did in college I, I thought okay they just make sure the bills get paid and so, by having more experience, by meeting more people who do these different things, and having more experiences at corporations or other types of businesses to truly understand what these people do or what people's roles are in a grand scheme, in a grand scheme of things, you get a better idea of what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I did. I did get a job. I lasted five months, five six months before that ended. But it's okay because I had two jobs. I was running a basketball tournament on the side. and so uh (laughs) when I left the hospital um I still had stuff to do and then I want to say two weeks later I got a job that was interesting and I worked at that next place for three and a half years so (laughs) did your mother say that to you get a job the day after you graduated get a job
1: yes it was that and get my master's which I'm still fighting against because i've been going to school since i was three i am exhausted and like the last two years of college was a lot going on i was like i need a break from everything
0: you should just get if you're gonna get a master's get it in something you really want to do yeah you're just wasting your time and your money and other people's time and then your mom is definitely going to say, you have a math degree, so now you better go get yourself a real good job, not just any job, a real good job. <laughs> I don't know your mother, but that's what my mother would <laughs> say. Because
1: I was like, if I get my master's, what's the plan? I don't have a plan. So, because I went to college without a plan, why I changed my major twice, and then I, I'm at, like, right now, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of just moving.
0: What was your
1: major again? Uh, I finished with uh, digital marketing. I went from accounting to CIS to marketing.
0: And um, why did you pick digital marketing?
1: Uh, That was junior year when I was first semester. I was pretty much failing Python for CIS. And then I was like, before the midterm, I uh, seen that I wasn't gonna do well because uh, like the homework was hard for me, and then the pretest was hard, and then the professor was like the pretest, the master test harder than the pretest. So, me being the person who thinks ahead, I was like, my minors do me the arts. I like designing, so well, I might as well just do marketing. I had like two different skills when I graduate. Then I spoke to myself. Then I spoke to my friend. So we both did the pretest, and he was ahead of me. And I was like, "I'm still in the first question." And I was like, "Yeah, this thing will to work out. So, what we, so what's my next step?" Then I talked to my counselor. Then I talked to my law. Then I got a zero in the midterm, and then changed my major.
0: Cool. See, you pivoted. You're already learning.
1: This. <laughs> 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 was like, nope. And now my mom like, just get, not, just get a job with a 401k plan so I can have some type of health insurance. Because that's the main thing, just, I need you to have health insurance.
0: Okay. You see how it's evolving? She's getting desperate. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I told you, when I went to Baruch to talk to you guys in February, in a room of 30 people, I said, one thing I try to do is anytime someone emails me on LinkedIn and says, "Quran, I have a question about this. Can you connect me to this person? I need help with this. I take, I respond to the email and I get on the phone or on the Zoom or whatever, I meet the person. In a room of 30 people, three people contacted me. Three, you're the third. Now you almost didn't contact me up until a week or so ago. <laughs> so it's two. <laughs> and i guarantee you if i was connected with all 30 of those people the ones that didn't graduate yet they're probably like oh my god i got a good job i don't know oh this is crazy man this covid thing oh man or like oh I, you know it, or like i need help with this or oh, i'm trying to start a business one of a zillion things guess what i was just in a room with 30 people and i said hit me up on linkedin people hit me up on linkedin regularly <laughs> i had to make five introductions this like in the last 24 hours for people <laughs> and so ezekiel when you need help you already know my email address my phone number <laughs> you know a borough i live in <laughs> all that good stuff <laughs> so yeah yeah figure yeah. out it just it takes it takes
1: yeah. and then with that speaking of that um how to what is like the best way for people to speak to, like, to connect with um, professionals? Because I remember as a student, I was like, I don't really have much to offer. Like, what mm-hmm. can I, what do I do?
0: I think, I think it, it's a scary thing. And I've always been afraid of randomly emailing someone or asking for help. I always felt like it's me versus the world. So let me do all I can do uh, myself. Um, I'm not going to ask for help. I think the simplest thing you can do is just ask people could always say no. There's no harm in asking for advice. And what do other people get out of it? It, it depends on who, who you're asking Now uh, what some people get out of it is just Um, one, helping someone, like doing, like just doing something out of the goodness of their heart for whatever the reason is, just because someone was bold enough to ask them for help um, or because they are connected or have a connection to that person in some sort of way. Like you and I both graduated from Baruch. Um, Sometimes uh, people like to really help people. uh, Women may want to help other women. Um, Sometimes people or immigrants might want to help us other people who are immigrants. Um, So sometimes it's people are actually seeking to help people who may have a similar experience or background to them. Or sometimes people just want to do it out of their heart. It doesn't matter. Um, But you just need to sort of be brave and and just ask. Um, I also think the people who are professionals, they should also just ask. I think it's like, oh, yeah, like I've been in meetings with people like, yeah, you know, Karan, I really want to help young women. And, and I'm just like, okay, just do it. I just saw like five young women sitting outside your office or, you know, I really want to help people from my community. So I'm thinking about, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, well, there are lots of nonprofits that help various types of communities. You can be part of that if you want. Um, it, it just depends on how formal People want to do it, but yeah, just ask. Just ask. People could say no. People could ignore your LinkedIn email too. Or your text or your phone call. So are you going to just go ask some people? Like, is this is like a thing that you're going to do now that you know that you just go ask people stuff? <laughs> Probably just like, hey. In terms of
1: like, just work or just general? In general. Oh, yeah. In terms of the podcast, I was mainly... I'm so excited. like people I don't know eventually. It's like more branch out and everything. But in terms of like professional work, yeah, that'll be, I'll definitely have like more of a plan because that's usually my weakness to so like just planning things out. I'm just more of a person who just does things and say, so like, cool, what's next?
0: Got it. Yeah. That's fair. We have a, we have a, we're starting from a, a, a certain point. I'll email you about it in like six months and be like, yo, Zeke, <laughs> you hit some people up yet? You gonna be- yeah, for sure. Hmm? Wait, give me the list. Oh, the list. For the list? No. <laughs> like, all right, I trust. It's a trust relationship. I trust that you're telling me the truth.
1: So then... With that, in your story, you pretty much had to like, every you know, always had to pivot, and you like, I want you always like, had to reinvent like yourself and your goal. Because, it was like, I want to do this, but then you're like, let me see what this is. Like, yeah, did, I,
0: go ahead.
1: yeah go ahead. I was gonna say, like, how was that, and like, how did you come to that decision? Or was it just like,
0: Yeah. So most people I have to, I don't have to, but in many cases, sometimes I have to experience something to know if I really like it or I really don't like it. So when I think about the North star, I want to say five or six years ago, I was like, I changed my career goal. So five or six years ago, I was like, Oh, I want to be a chief strategy officer. I want to set the vision and all this other stuff. And then I was reading a lot, I started reading a lot about activist investors um, and I started reading a lot about um, um, conscious capitalism and all of these other, in corporate governance and these things. And I, I said to myself, well, I think I wanna be a board member, a corporate board member one day, cause that's probably um, the best place where I could sort of, you know, you build, you, you know, you set the strategic direction of a company, um, you select or build out a leadership team, Um, to achieve said direction. And um, then you get to use some of your finance and all those skills and make sure you have enough resources, whether those are financial resources, or people resources to support said direction and vision. And so when I thought about this, well, what skills do I need uh, to achieve that in working backwards? It was strategy skills, it was financial skills, it was leadership skills, organizational skills. And so as I've had different roles, I've tried to acquire those different skills. Um, So when it came to pivoting, it was more so I have a role at a company and I just get into everything. So if I was on the marketing team, I'd make sure I was also working with the sales team and the product team and the finance team and the technology team to learn about, well, what do they do? And how do they do what do they do? And how does it all connect together? And can I work on a project with you? And can I work on a, a project with you? Or can I volu- I'll, work ex- I'll work extra time to do this? Or sometimes I would come up with new ideas. I'd be like, oh, we should, have, we should go into this market or we should come up with this product. And then I, I'd end up leading a cross-functional initiative. Right. And so I tried to make I tried to make the role um, more than what it what more than what it was on paper. I just try to make the most out of the experience and people, for the most part, were always happy to share their time with me and their experiences. People always want to volunteer to do some work for them (laughs) or to do some of their work, you know? And so it was mutually beneficial. Um, And so then when it actually having to pivot, meaning like going to a new company or going in a new industry or doing a different function, I had some of the experience that appealed to that. So when it comes to me going from marketing, The strategy or strategy to product. I had I gained experience in that, and so when I would have these interviews, I'd say, "Oh yeah, I'm on a marketing team, but I definitely did product. I did product management, and that meant I wrote specs, and that meant I tested stuff, and that meant I did go to market and things like that." So this, so it started to make sense when it came to changing industries. I would say, "Oh yeah, I worked in fintech," however. There's a lot, the skills that I got in fintech are transferable to Martech. Like I we built products in fintech, you build products in Martech. Like it's not different. Um, when it came to uh, changing, like let's say levels. So sometimes, sometimes I would get a job at a new company and my level would be higher, sometimes it'd be lower. I don't <laughs> like it was jungle gym again. <laughs> I would say, you know, well, I have the leadership skills or I have the management skills. And here are examples of when I've been a manager or I use these manager, management skills. And here are examples when I've been a leader and when I've used these skills. Here are examples of when I worked at a company when we we're focused on growth, meaning just top line. Here are examples where I was working at a company that was a turnaround and I was just focused on bottom line. Um, and so, All of these stories and I probably have so many stories um, more than many more than most people who have worked as long as I've had but because I have this this toolbox of stories and experiences I'm sort of able to say oh yeah I could do that next job oh yeah I could work at this place Uh, and sometimes it resonates with people and sometimes they're just like you're confused you have no clue what you want to do I know exactly what I want to do don't tell me what I know (laughs) but (laughs) Sometimes it comes across that way. And that, and that goes, and to some degree, that's my fault, depending on how I communicate it. I have to be able to communicate very clearly that these two or three things are relevant to this role or this opportunity, and that's what makes me great. Does that answer your question? Yeah.
1: Also, just think about how, like, Similar, similar to that, I have, like, various role, like, various experiences of roles and how it may look like it's just confusion because I see so I was has some tech stuff that has some marketing stuff, some graphic stuff is like, it's all over the place, but, like, kind of just need that to figure out who you are, just fill like in the pieces.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, for example, let's say let's say tomorrow you applied for a role I don't know, it's like, um social media manager or something like that. He said, Oh, social media manager. I know about social media. Let me tell you the social media platforms I know. I know Facebook. This one, boom. Hey, I even know Hubspot. So I can manage your whole social I can do social media management for you. I have my own podcast. This I went from zero to a thousand members over this period of time. I could run this whole thing for you. Gotcha. Then let's say the next role someone asks you about, let's say they're like, oh, what about um, marketing operations? Marketing operations associate or something like that. And this is this is the person who runs the website, who, does, um, who measures how many people are coming to the site, that kind of stuff. You can say, oh, well, I have my own podcast and my own website. And I manage all of those using these particular tools. And yes, I check my metrics and I understand, you know, uh, impressions and conversions and all this other stuff, right? Cool. So now you have all of these hodgepodge of experiences, but you're just picking and choosing. These go to social, picking and choosing. This this goes to marketing operations, etc. cetera. Um, and just honing in on the two or three fine points as to what will make you awesome for this. And maybe you get the job. Maybe you don't. Who knows? Worth trying. <laughs> yeah. Everyone goes to school with one guy or gal (laughs) that talks a lot. It makes it seem like they know everything (laughs) or they know about everything. And then you start peeling back the layers. You realize that they're bullshitting you. (laughs) And some of those people who are really good talkers, you could only bullshit for so long (laughs) in life. But what they really are good at is telling a story. And that's something that we all have to learn, how to tell a story, how to sell ourself, um, and, it, you know, just communicate what makes us special. It, it's hard. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, it's taking me a long time to get to this point. I, I've had to really, really practice or put myself in very tough um, situations to to get better at it.
1: And with the tough restoration, you also told me also how you wanted to challenge yourself. What makes you want to challenge yourself and not, like, to stay with your comfort or what you was used to?
0: Um, I learned nothing out of being comfortable. I learned nothing out of status quo. Uh, being uncomfortable is very comfortable for me. It's just strange to say it. Uh, so... <clears throat> I really like change. I really like moving forward. And so I sort of seek out these challenges. If someone says something is impossible or no, we can't do this, or that thing is risky, I'm like, I wanna do it, I wanna do it. <laughs> I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta know. <laughs> and it's a strange thing for someone who is always really interested in strategic risk and risk management to go seek out, I'm going to seek out the risk in a challenge because I wanna understand, well, how can we get over this thing? How can we solve for this? How can we potentially make a risk or that uncertainty part of our competitive advantage? And it wasn't, it, it's, it's like I woke up one day and I decided to do this. So if you went, if you went to high school with me, you'd say, oh, Karan, she's, she's pretty shy. She does everything that she's supposed to do. Like the teacher said, this is due by this day, I will have it done early. <laughs> if if someone said, this is the opinion you should have on this, I would have that opinion. <laughs> I'd say until I was 21 years old, I didn't even pick out my clothes for school every day. Literally, my aunt on Sunday would say, take out all your outfits, and she would pick some of the outfits. Oh my God, this is Iron all of your clothes on Sunday. The crease in the pants. I had to wear a skirt at least one day a week. Oh my God. I don't even wear skirts anymore. This is all her fault. <laughs> and everything was very sort of regimented, like spoon fit, do these things. And it got to a point where something happened. Well, actually what happened was they found that I was gay. And then I was like, and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> we got a whole session about that. And I felt like they, they, uh, they left me hanging, <laughs> like I was the enemy. And it, it got to a point where, okay, Quran of other, you can't put the opinions of others above your own happiness or your own thoughts. I didn't have any thoughts, <laughs> very rigid. Everything was very, oh, this has to be rational. This connects to this. And to some degree, I'm still like that. But now I formulated some thoughts and opinions Cause I had no other choice. <laughs> Cause people are like asking, "Oh, Chrome, what do you think about this?" And like, well, I don't know, or <laughs> I would give an opinion of what my family would answer, or, like what my aunt would answer, my grandma. And so, you got to point. Once I started having opinions, that was the worst thing that could have happened. Because then I became confident. It's like, oh yeah, Ba-ba-ba-ba. oh yeah, this is what I think about. This. You know, like, going on my phone, researching everything. Oh yeah, this is this hmm i have now i have opinions picking out my own clothes you know how awkward that was for like the first couple of years i was not matching half of the time my mother when she was seeing me she was like you're not matching she she remembers my days of not matching so much when i got married she said if Quran," she told my wife if Quran is not matching it is your fault <laughs> my wife was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 took, it took a long time to find the right clothes, to formulate opinion, to cut my hair. Um, it's just, there's so many great things that come with confidence. I think when, people, when you're young and in your teens, and even sometimes people in their 20s, and sometimes people go beyond that, they haven't experienced this much by themselves, and they're not being their authentic self. And so it takes, it takes time. But when people become confident, they're dangerous. Confidence is dangerous. Not to be confused with arrogance, because I feel like there's like a meter. It's like, we're talking, and I'm feeling confident. It's like, oh, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> and then if you go past, that's arrogance. That's not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do go to arrogance sometimes, which is kind of just overconfidence in myself. Now I'm going to do whatever going to happen.
0: Happens sometimes.
1: So, yeah, doing pretty much is learning and doing things. I get that.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, now now I love it. I I can't help myself. I got to do it. Anytime I want to say no to something, I say yes. Like, I was going to say no to this thing. I was like, why do I want to have a video out there of me in a world (laughs) talking about the last 10 or 12 or whatever years of my life? And then I was like, I guess I got to say yes. Thank you. Not too bad. I wasn't saying no because of you. I'm I'm an introvert. I really don't want to have the video out there.
1: (laughs) It could be audio-based. It's okay.
0: I don't know. It's fine. I have to get over it. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll have to speak in front of tens of thousands of people, and I'll be like, I come back to this. Oh, when I was talking to Zeke on this podcast. That was, that was harder than talking. <laughs> he helped prepare me for that moment.
1: Yeah, I had that feeling when I was joining Femco. which was a female technology club in Baruch. And I was like, I'm a guy. And I was before I knocked the door, opened the door, I was like, what are people going to think? And I was just like, just do it. Just do it? And what happened? Pretty much became the treasurer. See? Diversity matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My like, what you doing today? Come on, help get the charter club. And he was like, "So why did you join the club? Because you know tech. Because at that time was a CS major.
0: Mm-hmm. I was like, it's
1: nice to meet other people in that major.
0: That's cool. That's
1: funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> like I was scared. I was like, hmm, should I join? Yes. They made you some keep great friends.
0: He joined an a group. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. What are some of your other questions? I had the list but I can't find it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll also go off the top of my head. Um I think I was my head. it's fine. I was also gonna ask about like so you was working during the recession and now you're working during Corona.
0: How's that been? Um it's uh kind of sort of the same in a strange way. When I was working during the Great Recession, my friend, my really good friend and I, we did not make a lot. Um, we had only been out of school for a year or two. And because we didn't make a lot, but because it was a recession, a lot of things were cheap. I remember they had these recession specials. It. it You'd be, able to get, you'd be able to go to restaurants you couldn't really afford before then or go to different events. Um, I can't tell you how many places I went to where it was just free pizza, but they had comedy or free hot dogs, but they had karaoke. <laughs> it was, um, to some degree, it was it was good to have an opportunity to actually experience the city. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. My really good friend grew up in Staten Island. We went to Baruch. Being in a city was a big a big thing. And, you know, we're going to Baruch, and we don't really have money. So then we graduate, and we have a couple of dollars, and we have a job in the recession. And so it was interesting. I also lived in Manhattan at some point. I want to say two thousand, two thousand nine and 10, I was dating someone, um, and she had an apartment in Manhattan. She was a residential director at NYU, and their dorms are awesome. And so that was my girlfriend, and I lived there with her. (laughs) And so I was living a real sort of sex in a city lifestyle on a real cheap, broke (laughs) level, not carry level. (laughs) And so it was cool. And so when I think about it now, I'm like, well, this is, this is really tough. It's really tough being in a house, um, a lot, but, uh, technically, uh, thanks to the extra $600 well, thanks to the severance I got <laughs> from the company and my bonus and all that other stuff, plus the thousand dollars from, you know, the government for what seemed, it seemed like it would never end, but it did end. I made the same amount. Um, I still had somewhere way to live. I still had food. I still hang out with my friends on house party, the app house party. Um, I spend a lot of time with my wife. We have a dog. I've done like, I've spent my time like doing gardening and woodworking and like riding my bike. So to some degree, it's still tough because you know that there's something beyond you that is affecting the entire country, the entire world. Again, um, but you try to be thankful for the little things in the small moments that you have. And so, I think that's what's similar. Yeah, I'm unemployed, but wasn't I wasn't too worried about finding a job because I felt like I would find a job. And I started a job next week, and it'd be great. Things so, just went out. Huh? No, that's, I found out three weeks. Okay, that's cool.
1: Remember recession? I was ten, so I was like. I was like, okay, cool, and just focus on schoolwork. And now I'm just like, this is weird. It's a weird feeling.
0: Like, if you, when you start at a moment when it's really difficult, or you see other people go through very difficult situations, you you may not t- you you may take less for granted. You know you may make different decisions um, going forward I think one we used to read these articles about Millennials and you know I've always been this millennial and had to, these older people say all oh, these Millennials oh Quran these Millennials blah, 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 right and I remember um, it was right around the eight nine ten eleven twelve or whatever we, they've been talking about Millennials forever but Right around that time, they were like, they're so entitled. And this is when we had Occupy Wall Street. I, had an, I was working downtown Manhattan, and I had an office, and I could see the Occupy Wall Streeters. And people. some of the people who work with me who were not millennials, who were older, they would say, oh, look, these millennials, they're so entitled. They went and got master's degrees in poetry, and they think they're going to be poets. Um, they, you know, like they're entitled. They think everything should be handed to them, and they're demanding all of these things. They're not organized. Blah 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 blah. All this BS, right? And it was it was this interesting dynamic because I remember they were saying this, and they had Occupy Wall Street in Manhattan, and it was mostly it wasn't a diverse group of people. It was mostly white people. There weren't many people of color out there with the tents and chilling, <laughs> and they decided that they were gonna have an Occupy Wall Street moment at Broadway Junction train station. You know the one I'm talking about with the, the A and the C and the L train, yeah, there. And he went there and he, they had this um, news reporter go, and they were like, well, why do you think the movement isn't that big here? Right here at Broadway Junction? There are like three of you, three or four five of you standing out here. And so they would stop people and ask them, well, why aren't you part of this? they are like, well, I am, you know, I believe in what they're doing, but I have to go to work. If I don't go to work, my daughter right here, she won't eat. If I don't go to work, I won't be able to pay my rent. Yeah, I'm a millennial, but I I don't, I I don't have the luxury to not do these things that need to happen on a day-to-day basis. And all of these people that they were talking to were people of color because you're at Broadway Junction. And it, it, and for me, it went to show, it proved the fact that when I was growing up, it wasn't you do all of these things, like you go get a diploma and then you go get a degree and then you go to get another degree and then you're going to get a job in that thing that you got a degree in. It, it, no one said that to me. It was, you may Quran you have to work twice as hard and you may still not accomplish the goals that you set out for. So at no point was was there any level of entitlement? And I think that's a common thing for people of color, people who grow up um, in lower incomes, um, or people from certain, or maybe even people who immigrated here. Um, it is, is, it's difficult to take some of these things for granted. I, I tell people all the time, yeah, I have, I have two degrees, but that doesn't mean I was guaranteed to be a vice president at a company one day. It doesn't mean I was guaranteed to teach undergraduate students or graduate students one day or to be a board chair at 27. like None of those things were guaranteed because I got a degree. I've worked at places where I was the only Black person, literally the only Black person in the office. I've worked at places where you if anyone was queer, I didn't know it. It wasn't obvious. <laughs> I've been in meetings where... Me, myself, and my boss were the only woman in the meeting. And trust me, my boss was, every time I've had a female manager, one of the most senior people. So none of that is guaranteed. And none of my managers ever made anything seem like it was guaranteed. Um, and so you, you really have to grind. You, you, really, you really have to grind. You really have to pivot. And this asking people for help thing is something we have to get over this fear of people saying no—something we have to get over. Uh, this this idea of entitlement—I'm sure there are lots of people who feel entitled to things. I know I don't. And whenever people work with me, I <laughs> I make it known, like just because you went to some school, or just because your dad is this person or whatever, just because you did that thing, that does not mean that I am in, that I have to give you something. We all have to work. If you're on my team, you gotta work. Period. So I, I, I hope that answers the question. But yeah, none of this is guaranteed. Um, I, I, I hope that if our elders, the previous generations now understand millennials a little better because now we're older. Um, and yeah. And I'm sorry to wax poetic for like five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like that
1: because everything, no matter how good to somebody, else, they always have to work hard for it. Cause what you call it, hard work beats natural talent. It's,
0: it's actually work smart. Yeah, I'm not
1: telling okay. people. You know, just work work smart. Yeah, yeah. You choose your choose your battles. Oh yeah. On the side note, I showed your comments to my mom for her episodes, and she likes them a lot. It's like, oh my god, you good with her head.
0: Yeah, it's like talking to my mom with my auntie. I was like, oh, she's doing the business. But <laughs>
1: she's
0: real nice about it because she's on camera.
1: Yeah.
0: It would be a little different if the camera wasn't there. So I'm sure you walk around with a camera all the time around the house.
1: <laughs> In her episode, I how to take things out. I'm just like, you, you're the most difficult guest I have because I, I keep editing.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think uh, I think your mom had um, some good comments, things that resonated with me. Like she said, um, I think she was talking to you about. Um, she said she just really wanted you to go to get a degree and have more than what she, you know, what she had and do better. Um, and it it was a, in a very uh, authentic way. Like she was telling the truth. It, it's it's not like she wasn't asking you to pursue anything in particular and that was nice. And I'm sure you've met people and they tell the children you could be a doctor, an accountant, that's it. I don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> so. um, where she was just saying, I want you to be able to do enough to take care of yourself. You don't have to take care of me. And so again. Yeah.
1: But she did tell me not to be an accountant. Hey, she kept- <laughs>
0: Hey, you weren't going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she kept
1: asking me. She's like, are you sure you want to be an accountant? And I was like, you only asking me because you don't want me to do it. You don't ask my opinion for a lot of things.
0: <laughs> Nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. Every time I get laid off, my mother tells me, work for the city. <laughs> <laughs> city. Get yourself a city job. Because if you work for the city, you wouldn't be laid off. And I just, I'm just like, whatever. And she's like, she's just like, get crazy. I don't even know how you could go through this. And she was like, hey. so this is only the second time I've been unemployed, meaning like had to go had for unemployment or whatever. I remember last time this happened, she says to me, yeah, maybe you should consider applying for food stamps. I was like, mom. <laughs> mom. I'm not eligible. <laughs> 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 the government's not gonna help me. No, the government is not gonna help me because <laughs> I made whatever the number is thirty-five thousand or twenty thousand dollars, and I think that number is too low. And she's like, "Yeah, I think you should work for the city." And <laughs> my mother's a uh, she's worked for the Department of Ed for I don't know twenty-seven years. <laughs> so working at a corporation, this whole concept of, of layoffs is She doesn't get it. She's just like, this is crazy. Um, Corporations, she just doesn't understand. She's like, I don't know why anybody would go through this. It's like, it's worth it. One day I'm going to be a board member. I'm going to be making decisions, all right? And I'm going to be able to maybe I'll buy you something. Maybe I cut you off with a little piece. I'm going with a couple of apologies, okay? And she's like, whatever. She was like, "You was just on a board and you had to pay to be in it." I was like, "That's how it works." It's not, you <laughs> yeah, <it's understand."> like,
1: <laughs> like they don't see the bigger picture yet. It's gonna come.
0: It's like you don't see the bigger picture. Yeah, she doesn't see it. She doesn't. She's coming up. I'm, I'm bringing her along slowly but surely.
1: Yeah, well, my mom. She was definitely to school first. Like even like after school programs, if it was fun. She would not to do it. She would take me out. Like you go home. <laughs> like in high school, I had the I was we had tutoring, then I went to tutoring. Because in middle school, citizen school, we had like people out to school, do an hour of homework, and then you do like activity like programming or um like skateboarding stuff like that. For so like the first year, she I was in the, in the second year. She took me out. She t- it was like, you get one day, and then <laughs> last year she took me out. Uh, that's funny. When, when I get to high school, she like tutoring. Yeah, you can go every day.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. i get it i get it they they have their own experiences and that to some degree dictates <laughs> to do or not to do and i get it yeah I, I wouldn't be a good teacher of uh little kids at all i'm impatient and i like to play i'd be sitting there like playing video games <laughs> <laughs> They would not do well. <laughs> and that was similar with my grandmother.
1: It so like, she died. She was like, "Oh, dying she was like, go for me, get my master's. I'm just like, no. You also will be disappointed.
0: You might not need it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Just if you do it, do something you're really interested and passionate about.
1: It's funny to see that most parents are the same
0: yes most parents are the same yeah they all they all care about their children i think generally speaking and they all have opinions they want to you know mentor you it's not really mentor it's like it's like pull your arm
1: (laughs) just like keep going this way just keep pushing
0: (laughs) i think they all want i think all parents or most parents they all want what's good for their children and want them to be happy and stuff like that. It's just how they communicate these things for us is just like, it's crazy.
1: Like I understand that's not going to work for me.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. You have to, I <clears throat> think you have to start, uh, at some point you'll have more proof points as to what you're doing or what you were focused on, how, it, how it's been working. So, my, um, my, my little sister, she's uh, 27, and when she was going, she went to Hunter. When she was going to Hunter, my mother was adamant that she graduate on time, meaning graduate in four years. She went to Temple for like a semester, a year, or something like that, then transferred to Hunter, and some of the credits transferred, some of them didn't, and she was adamant about she graduated on time and that she don't work, right, because you got to focus on school. So I remember my sister was a senior and I asked her, "Sisquito, that's what I call her. It's something I called her as a kid because she was so annoying, like a mosquito, but she's my sister, so Sisquito. Sisquito, um did you do an internship yet or did you, you know, are you trying this, blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, mom doesn't want me to work. She don't understand. I was like, I'm like, give me, we want to do your resume. <laughs> So I'm going to apply for you (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) and um, I'm going to talk to mom. We're just going to do it. So um, we do it. I think I applied to three jobs for her after I fixed her resume and told my mom. I was like, I know you don't want to do this, but I did it. So if one of these three places call her, you know, it's on me. The whole point of going to school is to, you know, have the knowledge and experiences and all that other good stuff. To do something you're passionate about later, right? My mother's like, I don't have no time for that. Mm-hmm. No, she got to go to school and just not work and focus on that because are her grades so good? Are your grades so good that you all that? And it's, <laughs> it was a whole argument. It's like, Father, it doesn't matter. Got to get her an internship. So then my sister got smart and she went to a guidance counselor, I talked to her at guidance counselor. Her guidance counselor was like, told my mom, no, she, she get an internship because even if she graduates with a 4.0, that doesn't mean there's any guarantee that she's going to get a job. And so my mother was like, okay, I guess. I guess. But you still have to take at least five classes a semester. <laughs> so she got um, She got an internship at this. Well, she got two callbacks of the three places we applied. She killed the interviews she got offers to both one paid one was paid one was one wasn't paid she got she took the paid position it was great she worked there for the summer and then like through the fall and through the spring until she graduated they gave her a full-time job <laughs> um and so she worked there, i think for four years total or something like that and then um my mother was really happy she's like all right, okay, now I understand, now I understand. And I'm like, thank God that was your last week. I had to do that for the first <laughs> kid, the fourth kid, the kid. This would have been too many conversations. Like, <laughs> So yeah, she had this job, and she did this, and she did well. She got promoted once. She got raises a couple of times, and all these other things, all of these experiences. She saved the vast majority of her money. I told her, listen, don't ever move out of here. Don't move out of this place. Don't let her charge you rent. Like, look at that. You know, like, stay as long as you want. I got your back. So she's stacking cash and going on vacations. And she is one of the best Instagrams I've ever seen in my life. It's a little whack now because of COVID. But prior to this, awesome. And then she went out there when she was looking, when she decided to leave that place because she felt like she wasn't learning enough, she went to another company. And um, she went to this other company and she got an offer. And she called me when I was at work to help her negotiate this offer, but I I didn't answer because I was at work. (laughs) She negotiated her own offer, right? And I think she practically doubled her salary or something crazy like that. So she went through a lot. So by doing this thing the first time with some help, she was able to do all of these things, right? Accomplish all of these things and learn so much. And I remember when she was leaving the company And she's looking for another job. She did not tell my mother because we already know how she's going to (laughs) react. Why are you leaving a good job go somewhere else? (laughs) Why would you do that? Those people treated you nice. They gave you a MacBook at work and an iPhone (laughs) or whatever. Silly stuff like that because she just does not understand. And my sister is telling my mother the story. Yeah, they gave me an offer. I don't really like that offer. I'm gonna call KK. I'm gonna have to do some negotiation. And my mother, my mother and my aunt were like, "No, don't do that. Because then they're gonna take your offer away. She's like, "No, we we need equal pay." You're like, "Who's we need? You no, know, you need to get paid. Just, what is the thing about equal? You need to get paid first. Just, then you can fight for some equal pay." <laughs> and they gave her the the number that she wanted. And they were like, I cannot believe they're paying this little kid <laughs> this amount of money. <laughs> and they were not impressed by it. They were just like, these kids trying to get fired. She trying to be like her sister and, and lose jobs. This, and I was so proud of her for, one, realizing she wasn't going to learn any, any stuff this place, applying for another job, like, doing her resume, going through the interview process, Negotiating her own salary and all of these other things. I was like, oh, proud. Oh, man. I was like, oh. <laughs> and, but, and so now my mother could say, oh, yeah, I'm so proud of my sister. It, like, she's so proud of my, my little sister. She's like, and she says this to everyone. Well, she's great. Oh, you know, she negotiated. Hey, <laughs> <You know, laughs> <fight, okay? laughs> And all of a sudden, she is so proud of her. But my mother could not see. She could not see it. She could not see what she was trying to accomplish. She could not see what what that meant. It it was like, if you get something, be happy that you got that little thing, not little thing, but you know, be happy that you just, that you got that thing. And so sometimes you're going down the right path and somebody, it could be friends, family, whoever, they're trying to psych you out. They, They might not, really know i'm not saying to ignore what they're saying take what they're saying seriously but try not to lose sight of yourself and what you really want to do in life in the midst of it and then when stuff happens stuff starts blowing up they're on it so in six months or 12 months when you got your 401k health care you just sitting at your mama house chilling for a whole closet full of new sneakers and stuff like that you gotta be like mom Remember when he was telling me, Yo, I'm doing big things right now. Okay? I got you. On the groceries, but I don't got no rent money. <laughs> and then your mother be like, Well the boy, he done graduate now, he's doing stuff and he's making some dollars, so this is good. He could take care of himself. So I'm proud of that. This is this is step one. This is what I was going
1: for. And <laughs> I start taking credit for things you did. They was like, ah, see, I see I was already there for you. It's like what?
0: Like Man. Uh-huh. I birthed that boy. Look at him. Look at his eyes. <laughs> the
1: eyes like me. He's mine. Because she, she finally came around with a podcast when she was on there. She's like, Oh, I like this. This is like therapy. I like
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so hard to convince. <laughs> like My the parents. Mother. Yeah. It's it. yeah. They, don't
1: very- they don't see, like, they still see you as like a child who. Didn't really do much, and then we get older, they're like, hmm, it takes a lot for them to, like, granted, it's always just said about safety. This is always about, yeah, it takes, it, it
0: takes, it takes, it takes a lot. Um, agreed, but <laughs> just, you'll get there, she'll be proud, you'll be able to laugh at those moments because you got them all recorded anyway. <laughs> Mom, remember any kids? You see what you said to me. Now what?
1: <laughs> but she wanted me to take she was like, take your time with college. And then I did it for years did it early. I was like, I had no choice. Financial aid.
0: Yeah, to some degree, like you were saying you were going to school since you were three years old. That's how I felt. I was like, man, I've been up in this penitentiary <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with my mom as the warden, or my aunt, or my grandma as the warden, <laughs> from when I could talk or hold a pencil <laughs> to age twenty-one, to, I don't want to come back here. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta finish this quick.
1: <laughs> my great grandmother told my mom, "When she force him in school, he gonna you start him too early. he's gonna be tired when he done." <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's it's strange. Grad school is different. At least I think. I think grad school is different. Um, and once you've worked a little bit, like you've done a couple of different things, um, you feel differently about school. Hilarious. Going to work is going to school too, in my mind, because you're learning.
1: My mom was always like, "Even still, like I'm still spending the pocket but I just built a website for it. it. Took me five months, and then she was like."
0: Did
1: it take you so long? Uh, the transcripts. The episode transcripts.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Got it. Because it took me like, and also I got sick in the middle of it. Though, I started in March. And then um, I got, I built the website. like built the frame and then I got sick. And then also I don't know how it goes. So I was also learning.
0: Hold on a second. What did you build your website on? I used um, Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver? Why didn't you just Squarespace. Uh you know, builder. Just WordPress.
1: <laughs> I think it was my ego. I was like, let me do it this way. And then my mom was like, Nah, do it yourself. It's more for like a story like I did it myself. <laughs> Cause she's always like every time I need help, every time I was younger she was like, um, now, nah, do it yourself. I like, need help with a video game. Uh, and then I asked me one of my cousins. She was like, nah, do it yourself.
0: See? Do it yourself. Don't ask for help. I know. They're books written. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then she was like, and then and then later on, I told her there was an easy way to do it. She was like, easy way to do it. You did it the hard way? I was like, you told me to. And then later the same night, she was like, nah, do it the hard way. Okay.
0: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what else is on your mind? What else is on my mind?
1: Just expanding, just thinking, just trying to figure out what to do. I, this is new territory for me.
0: What? What's this? Need uh, to to what?
1: think I'm still trying to get a wrap around my head that I'm an adult. And then I, when I went in, the, when I'm in leadership positions and like there's like people who looks towards me to make decisions, I'm just like, I forget that. You know, I had a job, and I went to the job. I'm like, oh, wait, I had to make the decision. I'm just like, okay.
0: So what is challenging about that? Is it that you have to make the decision, or that people are looking to you, or that you, you're you afraid to make a decision, or you don't know how? Like, like I think it's more of like,
1: it's great to have my older brother side of my little brother. Like, mm-hmm. I always, like, like, I always had to be, like, type of leader because I'm, I'm the oldest, but it's more like what other people are. I was always afraid to mess up. Not because, like, afraid to mess up, but more like, I don't know, I didn't want to, like, let them down, like the people who look up to me and make the decision. Let like me down. And now it's more of, like, it's getting used to being that person who makes the decision. It's more of, like, it's, what you gonna call it like it's like I'm so I'm so I was so used to having like listening to somebody else or having somebody else like all right this is the person in charge and we'd listen follow them and now it's like it's like when you realize how old you are you're like oh wait now I'm in that position yeah
0: um... Yeah. That that, that goes back to the confidence thing we were talking about a little earlier, like like as you make more decisions, you'll understand. It's just, you gotta, gotta go through it. Yeah. And I also, I could also resonate with making decisions and feeling like, and, and, and being the um, role model for your siblings, And that's always tough because you feel like if you do something wrong, then my little brother or my little sister is going to do it. And I don't want them to do that dumb thing that I just did or. So, yeah, I think that's a a natural thing. But I think over time, the fact that you minimally see yourself as a role model to them, I think is a good thing. So then when you make decisions, you recognize that you're acting um, or thinking about more than just yourself. Per se, and, that, and there are cases where that could be a good thing, and in cases where that could be a concerning thing. If you're just doing everything for them, or just yeah. making decisions 100% for them, so, personal trade. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Saying. Um. So your questions? Uh. How has the job field changed over time? What did you mean by that question? Uh, probably it was more of like
1: because I know that um well, in terms of like people working, I never know how more people are working shorter short amount of times in working jobs. And see how your story how um, a lot of people you even it was similar how you you were work in place and you would leave and go back to another place and then all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So I think it's a few things. I think the prior generations were used to working a stable job, right? For a long period of time. Um, they grew up in a time where, um, competition wasn't as fierce among corporations. Um, a time where you could be okay with single-digit growth, Um, a time where corporations invested a lot more money back into people uh, and innovation. And I think what's happened is because one thing is those things have changed. Layoffs are a very common thing very common uh, they're very common in financial services they're very common in marketing and advertising they're very common in tech um but they're a lot more common now one so on that end two what corporations spend their money on whether it's you know spending more money on hiring hiring more people or paying people more or giving them more perks or training them or whatever or innovation uh, or acquisitions that kind of thing or buybacks or whatever that that's different and thirdly our parents told us we could accomplish whatever we wanted to accomplish in life and to go after our passions and they created this, this you know army of passionate people and so on one hand it's like Many of us want to do something we're really passionate about and really interested in. And we, there have been so many movies over our lifetimes that have displayed that to us. There have been so many sort of startups that have come from that passion. So that's, that's one end of why some, some people uh, work places short periods of time and do job hop, as they call it. And then on the other end, it's all of these layoffs. The recession. Anyone who graduated 2006 to 2010 or 11 during that period of time, and then anybody who graduates this year <laughs> and for the next two years or however long, however long the situation is, it's man, it's not working. It's not like my mom and my dad. I can't work at this place forever. So I don't think that people want to job help. I have never really had the goal of, I'm only gonna work here for a year. I'm only gonna work here for two years. To some degree, the decision was made for me in a couple of layoffs, you know? Would I have had left? Yes, but would I have left that month and that day? No, (laughs) because I wouldn't have left until I found another job. Um, So yeah, I just think there are two ends of the spectrum. I've met people who are my age, who have worked at companies for 10, 12, 14 years, and I'm like, what the is that? <laughs> like, seriously. One of my best friends, he's worked at this company for 14 years. Um, luckily, because he's not a great interviewer, because he's mad chill. He's like, yo, what's up? You know, <laughs> yeah, this job's cool. I guess I work here, kind of guy. <laughs> But he's really successful, and he's a smart person. Um, Also, the last company I worked at, there were a lot of people my age who that was their – they had interned there, and they worked there after school, and they had worked there for 10, 12, 14 years, and they grew up there, and they never worked anywhere else. As opposed to me, who I – when I start on Monday at this next place, it would be the ninth or tenth company I have worked at. Um, And so, yeah, I I don't – that is to say, I don't think – that we as people or younger people are doing this on purpose and mass so much. Um, I think we want the same thing as the prior generation. We want um, uh, some level of security, um, but we want to be passionate about what we're doing and we don't want to be taken advantage of.
1: So, yeah. Job. These recessions are happening too often in my lifetime.
0: Well, they say there, I think, every 10 or 12 years or something like that. Typically small corrections in the economy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we just happened to hit a big one in 0, 08, 9, 10. And technically, the economy is doing well if you remove <laughs> COVID. <laughs> they do happen too much, <laughs> or at least when they happen, they're substantial. But this didn't. This this is um this is nature, not nurture. Like meaning like I don't think we didn't we didn't bring COVID to ourselves. Um, but there are things that we did to make it not so bad or make it worse, depending on who you talk to and how you see it. So yeah, I just I think of this as mother nature is trying to tell us, get your shit together. <laughs> Otherwise, you ain't gonna have nothing to fight about. That's how I've been taking it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, if you can make it to this, pretty much you have the skill set to make it, or resilience to make it through anything.
0: That's fair. You can make it through this, COVID, racism, unemployment, anything. It's like, oh, COVID's the easy one. COVID and unemployment, those two are easy. <laughs> All right. I think your last question was. Um, what lessons do I have? Have I learned? Um, And I I think I mentioned this when we're at Baruch, one is you're smarter than you realize. I think um, sometimes we get into different environments. People aren't used to working at corporations or doing nine, you know, like you're going to school most of your life, right? You get in these situations and sometimes you feel like you might, you shouldn't be there. Maybe you feel a sense of imposter syndrome uh, maybe you feel overwhelmed. Uh, maybe you feel like you're not smart enough or you're not capable enough. Um, sometimes you have people that work at companies for a long time, or even people who work at companies for a short period of time who think that they're not good enough to go anywhere to work at another place. And I would say to all of these people, you are smarter than you realize. You actually don't recognize how much you know until you meet other people or work in different environments or are in different environments. Um, so that's that's one thing. And so the second thing is don't limit yourself to what your manager or what your company could do for you. <laughs> I, so I've been in situations where, you know, you have, we'll say, well, we're a career path management. What are our career paths? Where we're we going? There's no room for growth. Tell me what your plan is. And management will say, it's not what they say, it's how they say what they say. Oh, it's up to you. <laughs> and I'm like, and people get upset, and they're like, what do you mean it's up to me? I'm working here, you even care about my career, my career path. <laughs> if you open up your mind to the fact that you have a goal in mind of what you want to accomplish in life, right? Then, and you open it up beyond the corporation that you work at or beyond the manager that you work for, you will accomplish so many more things. Realize I'm sitting at a place in a marketing role and I said, Oh, I want to be a strategist. And, And I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Oh, I need to learn more about mergers and acquisitions. I need to know more about strategy frameworks. I need to learn more about leading. I need to become a better communicator. When I said to myself, oh, I need to become a better communicator, I said, oh, okay, you know what? Maybe I should go be an adjunct professor for undergrads and teach a bunch of undergraduate students something because if I'm able to teach, then I'm able to communicate. My manager would have never gave me that opportunity or told me to do that. That was something I had to come up with myself and in doing that outside of work it helped me in my job when it came to learning strategy frameworks i just started using them at work woke up one day boom check it out here's my portis five forces manager boom and in many cases they were consultants and so they would know how to use them and they know if i was doing it right or wrong and they would teach me how to do it when it came to this concept of leadership Leadership. Like, I want an opportunity to lead. I should be leading. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> it was, oh, I think I should be leading. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go find a nonprofit board to be on, right? Something that I'm interested in and being a board member is being a leader. And then I'm there and I'm sitting there and then boom, I'm the board chair. So then I learn. Now, was I a great teacher? Was I a great board chair? Was I great at strategy frameworks? I'm gonna be honest with you, the first time I did it, probably the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months, I probably was questionable. (laughs) But I got got better over time um, because I was super dedicated to it. And it is those experiences that helped me get to that point of being a corporate strategist and leading corporate strategy um, and leading change and transformation um, and stuff like that. If I would have limited limited myself to what my manager and my company could do for me, I'd be working at the first company that I worked at. And I'd have to wait for my manager to teach me these things. I'd have to wait for him to retire or die for me to manage the team. Um, I'd have to wait for then his boss to retire or die for me to did lead the organization. I have to cross my fingers that these people you know, would think that I was a leader. would think that I was smart enough or capable enough to do said job. So yeah, the second thing, don't limit yourself to what your manager, don't limit the ideas to what your manager, or your company can do for you. You should still ask them and push them for certain things that are reasonable, right? But you should also look beyond. The, the third thing is, and this is specific to, people of color, um, women, people who are queer, uh, people with disabilities, whether they're physical disabilities or mental disabilities, um, you know, all of these groups of people, the world is afraid of what you can accomplish or what you will accomplish. Don't let those things about you stop you or stop, stop your light from shining. In so many ways, in so many words. I think we get overwhelmed when we're reading books or statistics or watching TV and they're like, in, a cor- in corporate America, oh, this person thinks I can't accomplish this thing. This person thinks that I'm incapable of doing this or doing that and, and all that jazz. Guess what? They may think that. They may. And it may hurt you. It may hurt your career there, hurt, hurt your relationship with that person. But don't see this as, oh, they, they don't think that you're good enough. See this, uh, take, like, turn this around. They're afraid of what you will accomplish. They're afraid of what you can accomplish. Trust me. <laughs> and if you start to think that way, you will perform better, right? Because that thing of, oh, they don't think I'm smart enough is gonna is gonna help you become arrogant. And you don't wanna be arrogant, you wanna be confident. And you will open up your mind to all of the things that you that you're that you're capable of doing. Back to not limiting yourself to what your manager and your company could do. F those people. <laughs> you're capable of this, go to nd.com, a child, boom. Director marketing, blah blah blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Go get your master's degree or whatever. Go get a certificate. Go teach some kids. Go volunteer. Do this, whatever. The world is a af- afraid of what you can accomplish because if you could accomplish stuff and feel like you are less than, then God knows what you could accomplish. If you if you never had to think about it, <laughs> if you were on the same level, it it would be scary. You'd be I'd be afraid of all these people if they thought this. And so, yeah, those are those are my three lessons that I've learned over time. Thoughts?
1: I just yeah, I definitely see how a lot of times people I guess limit themselves to what they're what they see. Like we're going on, like they don't know how much, how smart they are. Because it's like, all right, this is but then it takes a, uh, sometimes take an outside forces to recognize that, what you might call it, the connections to something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not saying that there aren't things outside that are hurting people. I'm just saying that. Just own this thing. I was, um, <clears throat> the last few companies that I've been at have been in, in a leadership role um my peers have been very senior people c level executives etc and one thing that happens is when we go on these like road shows so like if you know my boss is a ceo the ceo whoever and then we're going to visit other offices where there are people that I might have met and i do these presentations or I facilitate discussions or whatever people always want to ask me my age and it's not the young people, they don't know, they don't care. <laughs> but if, like, if I'm a vice president, they're a senior vice president. <laughs> My boss is a C-whatever. We're in a room, we have these conversations. And then, you know, it's, you know, after the meeting, you know, you have your little chatter, I tell, oh, yeah, hey, Krump. where you from, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, where, where have you worked before? Like, how did you get this role And in- questions like these and how do you notice? And I'm just like, and I know they're getting to this, they're getting to a few things, but minimally we're just for the purpose of this conversation, we're just going to say age perceived age is the thing we're going to just, the other things we'll put, put aside. And what I do is I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm whatever age I've done this before. I've done this thousands of times, whatever it is. Um, because I wanna directly address the fact that they have an opinion of me based off of what I look like. In this case, we're gonna say perhaps it's age, to be nice. And it's interesting because anytime i at least the last few years, anytime I've ever been in one of these rooms, I've, always been given the opportunity to talk um and i've taken the opportunity to to speak up and it's because i believe in these three things um, that it is easy for me to do so and i don't particularly care about if people don't believe me or don't trust my opinions because of something out of my control I age example and I think I think it has worked I think it has helped me sort of gain a lot of respect just in general uh, from other people because they're like okay she's confident she knows what she's talking about she's listening she's not being psyched out and so yeah it, it is I, I've had the I'll call it a uh, the luxury the luxury to be in these in the rooms with some very senior people. I've had the luxury of being in the boys club at a few companies. That was always fun and scary all at the same time. <laughs> um, I've had the luxury to be in some spaces where there aren't as many people who look like me in those spaces, whether they're people of color, people who are queer uh, women, or people who are millennials, quite honestly. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Every A lot of people in the meetings are like, I don't know, the prior generations. So yeah. Is it twelve forty-four? Yep. Cool. All right. Okay. Um. Last question. This has been great. Yeah.
1: Last question. What would you name your origin story?
0: Oh man, this was on one of those little cards. You (laughs) know, we have those parties. Um. You know, I wish I would have wrote it down because when I said it, my friend. Was like, oh, that's fire! Gotta name it. Gotta name with that. Let's see. Hmm. For some reason, song names keep coming to my mind. Like, started from the bottom. <laughs> um, I'm not. You're not. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stuff like that. I think I would say the and the incredible story. Oh, hmm, the unincredible story of someone who is ordinary. Something like that some play on words, some funky play on, like, incredible, and, you know, incredible, unincredible, whatever. Something like that. Um, because I think it is, and I think I've really taken this for granted for a while, and something I didn't realize to maybe a, a year and a half, two years ago, that, um, statistically speaking, I shouldn't, statistically speaking, um, there should be few people where I'm at who look like me, or who came from where I came from, or whatever, Um, and to just say that even though those are the stats, those stats do not represent what you're capable of doing. So, yeah. Should have gave me that question before, I would have had it. (laughs) something great to drop the mic on.
1: Yeah, this is fun.
0: Cool, this is fun. Let me know when you're going to post this.
1: It was either late October or early November. I had to look at the the timeline of the weeks.
0: All right. Yeah, just uh, let me know. It'd be uh, fun and funny because I would have worked at the place that I was going to work at for like two or three months by then. And so I'll be able to have a good, a good laugh.
1: <laughs> About to thank you for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. And if you need any more speakers, just, you know, ask, email and ask me or whatever. All right. Have a good You too. Bye.
1: Bye. That brings another episode of Let's Get Podcast to a close. I'd like to thank Kalon for being a guest on the podcast. For next week, I have a friend of mine named Jamee to speak about her experience as a teacher. I hope you can tune in the next day, and hope to see you there.